All right, CCSC, as we continue to worship, uh, there are three scripture passages in the book of Acts. I'll read it for us. This is kind of a launching pad for us. Three passages. Chapter 1, verse 8, we begin here. Let's give our full attention to it. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Chapter 6, verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And then chapter 12, verse 24 reads, but the word of God increased and multiplied. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. If you heard one of our opening announcements, uh, CCSC has been very, very pregnant we have been very pregnant. There is a due date of our daughter church called Kindred Presbyterian Church. She is due to be born on March 5th. That's less than a month away. You are all invited to her commissioning service on Sunday, February 26th. If you can't make the worship service, 1130, which will be a repeat of this, yes. But come for the luncheon at that Cerritos Park East and celebrate the launching of a church plant for the gospel's advance. Now, Pastor Dinko, whose new title is the lead church planting pastor. What an awesome title, lead church planting pastor. He's been casting vision. Today, because of our congregational meeting here, he is the only one preaching over at Artesia, soon to become kindred. Casting vision today and over the past several months. So, no better opportunity to renew our vision, and also some practical vows. I have to say from the outset, many and myself, we are so blessed and full of blessings from a retreat last weekend. We missed you if you missed it. We really missed you. Please join us the next time because we cannot believe how much it exposed and confirmed our need to be together much more. But hot off that retreat on the theme of renewal, this is to renew our vision and vows here at CCSC. As you know, business come, businesses come up with vision and mission statements. But for churches, we have no business coming up with ours. I mean, none. We, we don't have to invent something new. God has clearly given his. The mission of the Holy Spirit is the spread of God's word for the vision of God's glory in Jesus Christ over all. This is not just all peoples, over all of the heavens and the earth. The mission statement of the Holy Spirit is the increase, the multiplication, the advance. Just get it out there as much as you can. The spread of God's word Rain or shine, popular, persecuted, even when Christians are doing well or they're not doing too well. This is a driving, prevailing theme. His mission. For the vision, God's, you know, glory. What does glory mean? Beauty, wonder, holiness, his love would reign supreme over all the heavens and the earth. We read three passages of that. Chapter 13, verse 49, repeats it in different ways. Chapter 19, verse 20, also repeats it. And then the bookend, the ending of the book of Acts, of course, 
concludes with the word of God spreading through Apostle Paul without hindrance for the glory of God. So my friends, we all need to be reminded of this. The mission and the vision of the Holy Spirit is not to make your life awesome. It's not to fix your marriage and your kids. That's not his ultimate mission. It's not to make you healthy, wealthy, and happy, and safe. It's not to grow your business. It's not to have a comfortable life. All those things are really good. But the mission and vision of the Holy Spirit is that you or your family, if you have a family, would spread the word of God for the glory of God. Because in Acts chapter 1-8, it says, and the Holy Spirit, his power will be upon you when you do what? When you are his witness, when you spread his word. When you are on your own mission, the Holy Spirit never promises to be with you, bless you, be happy with you, and empower you for that. But when you and I are on his mission, the Holy Spirit guarantees his presence, his purposes, his joy, and his pleasures, and his very power. Again, I have to dispel this notion. Probably about a generation or two generations ago, it used to be that the assumption was only those really loud, bold, shameless, like a certain Enneagram number or a certain personality types are the ones out there on the streets or going door to door to spread the word of God. That is not the only type. There is no type. And in fact, in our culture now, in a post-Christian or post-truth world, that type may not be as effective and winsome anymore at all. You see, the mission is the same to spread the word of God, but the methodology changes. Methodologies come and go. Tactics come and go. I am convinced that every single Christian human being who has the Holy Spirit ought to be about spreading the word of God, and a lot of you in this room are going to do it way better than I ever can. Because you're going to be more personal. You're going to have a closer relationship with somebody. You're going to have a relationship which it communicates to the other person. I really do love and care about you, no matter what. And it's much more about relationships and appeal and persuasion over some time that I feel in the West, the Holy Spirit will use best for the spread of God's word. There are no types. Please don't think it's a personality type. Please don't think it's just a certain spiritual type. That spreads the word of God. Look at Acts. Look at Acts. How did the word of God spread through the entirety of the Roman Empire? Because two or three people did it. Everyone was doing it. Everyone was doing it in their own personal, distinct, creative, and beautiful ways. You know that the early Christians weren't even the believing types? Forget about missionary types, witnessing types. They weren't even believing types. Until the Holy Spirit took a hold of their lives. Now, how did they fulfill their vision and mission? How should we? We have to renew three vows. One vow, a fourth is brand new. That'll be number three. Don't get confused. But anyways, we have to renew three vows. One vow is brand new. First, vow 
specifically how we can spread God's word for the glory of God to advance, increase overall. First vow, communication. Communication. CCSE, we together need to renew our vow to communicate the word of God, the truth in the Bible as clearly as we can. In person, digital, live, or recorded. Far and wide, as much as we can. To spread the word of God or to spread the gospel means to speak your language. To speak in a way that would reach your heart and soul. That would bring a new stream into your imaginations. So that when you hear someone communicate the word of God... You don't need a translator. You don't need a dictionary from a seminarian. You don't need to learn secret code. There's no insider jargon. There's no new language to learn. Christianese. We ought to be intelligible and clear so that the word of God can advance. This is an awesome, thrilling privilege and challenge for the staff and I who do publicly on Sunday speak to continue to work out and continually improve. But one of the main reasons I'm passionate about trying to do this better and better and better and better is because Jesus speaks to me. God came down to speak to me. I've lost count how many times he speaks to my heart and my soul. Through the scriptures, or through some preaching, or the song, or through his people. And how much the word of God communicated down to my heart has literally saved me again and again and again and again. Without communication from God, you are looking at one utterly lost, miserable, self-destructive person, guaranteed who would fall headlong into his pride and his ambitions. God was so committed to communicate to someone like me, he showed up in person. The word of God became flesh. The word of God came so close and personal to someone like me to save me. Again, in chapter 1, verse 8, it says, the power of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of that power is so that you would witness or communicate in word and in deed the word of God. There is nothing more that the Holy Spirit loves to do than to bring people to Jesus. Therefore, there is no more people the Holy Spirit loves more to use and empower than people who want to bring more people to Jesus. By giving you clarity, clarity, you know, that's just, there's a science to it, a study to it. You have to examine and pour over and think hard and long and Pour into the scriptures and know its overall context and then go all the way down to the nitty-gritty in each passage and 
maybe read and listen to a lot of commentaries and sermons on that passage. There's a study. It's a science. Did you also know the Holy Spirit, though, loves to not only give you clarity, but he makes you contextual. He makes you situational. He makes you relevant. We're about to unlock the ministry and the preaching and the conversion of the Apostle Paul, who dominates more than a half of this book of Acts. And when you hear and study Apostle Paul's sermons, mind you, he is far more than just a good student of the Bible. He was a superb, excellent scholar to his culture and times. He understood his audience's imaginations and fears and hopes and dreams and thoughts and heartbreaks. He found common ground when he preached, not only intelligibly and clearly, but contextually. The Holy Spirit also would make you compelling. The Holy Spirit makes you a great student of God's word, a wonderful student of people and our times. But last but not least, compelling. That means the communicator or the speaker, herself or himself, should experience the word of God before you want someone else to experience it. Very rarely will listeners or hearers to any communicator feel anything unless the speaker or the communicator feels it. But that is of the sovereign gift of the Holy Spirit to make it experiential and compelling. This is a vow. This is a vow we have at CCSC. We want the word of God to be clear, inviting, intelligible to all your friends and family, any neighbor who may come. Because has he not done this with you? Non-believing people, even if you've gone to church your whole life, you can only hear about and admire Jesus from afar. But believers experience Jesus up close and they communicate Jesus. Non-believers can study Jesus, experience, believers experience and communicate Jesus. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? Acts chapter two, verse 38. But Peter said to them, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are not baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you are held totally liable and responsible for all your sins. You are still trying to make up for it by being a good person or faking it. You cannot have all your sins forgiven before living God unless you come to believe in Jesus Turn away from your self-life and then get publicly baptized. And then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you have the gift of the Holy Spirit, you get to experience and communicate Jesus. Vow number one, communication. Vow number two, connection. We must renew this. We must recover this really post-pandemic. Connection. Do you like to go to parties? 
For some of us who are older, do you remember going to parties or being invited to parties? Well, uh, do you like parties just online? If you're dating or looking to date, you prefer digital dates? In-person close connection. I'm reading about this chat GPT, artificial intelligence, that within pastoral preacher circles, I am being told that that thing can spew out far better research sermons than I ever could. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to hear a sermon from an artificial intelligence robot? Please don't answer that out loud. As long as I know God still has a very imperfect though broken person to show up. That's what he wants most for his people. A vow to connect. CCSA, moving forward, we must renew practicing Christian community. Do you know what Christian community is? Do you know why it's countercultural? Do you know why it should be distinct and attractive? In Christian community, people get to connect because you get to belong before you believe or behave. Oh, please, my friends. It's really hard to implement, but that is how you come to Jesus. You and I got to belong participate, hang around, benefit, enjoy, have fun, watch, observe, be invited to homes, go to parties, really develop a great relationship where you feel loved by someone else before you are a loving person. Is that not what Christian community or church is supposed to be? Doesn't the rest of the world always operate on prove yourself and earn it? No, Jesus says, you come to me all who are weak and heavy laden. You come to me who have proven nothing and I'll take you in. A vow to reconnect. A vow to really connect by practicing Christian community. Look at 1 John chapter 4. Verses 19 to 21, it reads, we love because he first loved us. <laughs> Don't forget that order. I mean, who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? We love. Your kids will never love something first. Love you. you love them first. Children of God, did you love God first? We love because he first loved us. Unconditional. Done. We couldn't even believe he would do that. So then, therefore, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. You cannot claim to love the living God when you hate people who are visible and physical right in front of your face. And this commandment we have for him, whoever loves God must also love his brother and sister. A communication and connection. A vow, a vow to connect by practicing Christian community. 
The second, second sub-practical point in that connection is CCSC, we vow to connect all areas of your life to Jesus. In other words, for the rest of our lives, we're just trying to live up to our name. We're just trying to live up and live out our name, Christ Central. In Colossians chapter 1, it reads, Jesus Christ is at the center of the creation of the entire cosmos. The multiple millions of stars and galaxies in the vast expanse, which should immediately make you and I feel so, so small. Jesus is not only the creator of all of the cosmos, the heavens and the earth and all the planets. He is the sustainer, the manager, the upkeeper of all of the cosmos. And Jesus is front and center of reconciling, beautifying, and perfecting all of the cosmos. So how do you think he's going to do with you? What do you think he's going to do with our little lives? I think he's proficient for the job. I think he can bring and hold and sustain and beautify and perfect all areas of your lives. What you really love, what you hate. Why do you hate that so much? What you do when you're so stressed. What you do when you get so angry because something is so out of control. How do you respond to stress or conflict when you are heartbroken or betrayed? How do you use money, time, sexuality, talents? Are you a person who is a great neighbor or citizen pursuing equality, justice, mercy for all? Or is it just about you? All areas of life, where you work, why you work, and how you work. We vow to connect all those dots. Because without it, you'll never experience shalom. There should be no greater integrity and shalom than in a Christian life. A vow to communicate. A vow to connect where you belong before you believe or behave. A vow to connect all areas of life to Jesus. Third, here's the new one. Should not be that new though, but it's new in terms of our original vows. Church planning. Church planning. Now, those first two vows were given as first two core commitments when we launched our first multi-site worship service at Valencia High School. When CCSC became a church on two campuses, we first worshiped at Valencia High School, and I offered the first two core commitments or vows. We must communicate, and we must connect. Do you know when that was? I don't know how many of you were there. I don't know if you remember that. That was actually October 30th, 2016. Six and a half years just blew us by. Now, what's with church planning now? Pastor really said, like, well, what are you doing that? Why are we doing that now? Oh, it's because it's the strategic vision of the New Testament. So it's ours. It's always been the New Testament strategic vision. And truth be told, it's actually always been mine since I've been at CCSC. 
multi-siting over at Valencia, now here at Hope International University, was simply a bridge toward realizing the strategic, specific vision of the New Testament. Look at chapter 14, verse 23. It reads, And when they, the apostles, Paul included, had appointed elders for them in every church with praying and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Oh, evidently, Paul and the apostles didn't just build one mega church. Nothing wrong with that. But they appointed local leaders voted on by the local congregation in every local church. And then Paul and the apostles just left. And they committed them to God. Church planning. Church planning. Why? Why would you church plant? I mean, who in the world in the right world, don't you just want to build it bigger, greater, more significant? You got more numbers. It's more secure. It's more comfy. Maybe it's more fun. Why would you do that? Because it's a strategic vision of the New Testament. There's no more proven, lasting, effective, Holy Spirit-filled way to spread the word of God so that the glory of God in Jesus Christ would reign over all. Other incentives for church planting include new churches attract more non-believers. On average, three to six times more than older churches. Church, older churches by more than 15 years. We're not quite there yet, but we're getting there. Second incentive, it expands the kingdom of God most effectively. A third incentive, this should be review, recognizes, raises, and empowers new leaders. Empowers new leaders. One of the memories that will probably be seared into my soul from retreat is when I invited the church planting lead pastor, Dinko, and his wife, Priscilla, and their baby doll. I mean, she looks like a doll, Emery, onto the stage. And I had all the launch core team members of Kindred Presbyterian Church stand. And we all reached out our arms. It's just a physical gesture and expression of, we just want so much for God to bless you. And when I was beginning my prayer for that team... Tears just overwhelmed me. Now, many of most of those tears is just because of just wonder and pride and joy and excitement for this brand new baby church plant. But I also have to be honest with you, a lot of those tears, as an older brother, instinctually, I know how much weight they would begin to carry now. How many stresses and sacrifices and unprecedented challenges are going to come into their life when you lead anything new for the kingdom of God? But that's my, my call to protect my younger brothers and sisters. That's always God's call. And if it's God's call, it's always best. And you will never be empowered and raised into assuming leadership until... You are fully authorized and entrusted to be a leader. Another incentive, remember these? Renews and revitalizes the mother church. Jesus did say somewhere, right? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus did say somewhere it's way better to be generous than to hoard. Kindred is going to be our R&D department. Kindred will be the one that humbles and maybe outruns us in a lot of respects. Here at Hope International University now with CCSE, 
What we can do, and I am, I'm, I'm really, really going for the gusto here now. All I know is now, God wants you to connect with more people so that salvation would be brought and more people would be raised as servants of the kingdom to spread the word of God. And we are more poised as a parent church now, maybe not only for kindred, but more ministries and church plants so we can raise and send them up all the more. For it is more blessed to give than to receive. I know for the majority of the human population, the statistics tell me about psychology and personality. People don't like change. I get that. I'm the anomaly in the other extreme. Like I just, I like it. And you don't like change. And when anything new comes, like church planting, you get very easily suspicious and cynical. It's like, I think there's other more reasonable causes why CCSC is church planting now. You know, it's like Harold doesn't like certain people now and couldn't get along and there's some schism or split. I am very capable of that. Oh, absolutely. Or, you know, there's some sinful fallout or, you know, they're plotting an ulterior agenda behind this. And if you think that, I totally get it. You know why I get it? Because unfortunately, that's the norm. The norm in a lot of churches today is that there's some sinful fallout reason for the changes that they make. But do you know that similar rumors swirled when CCSE became a church about 11 years ago? CCSE was an English ministry of a larger Korean church called Sweden's Presbyterian Church. Do you know how many rumors I had heard that the only reason CCSE is becoming a church is because they hate their parents, they don't like being Korean, they don't want to be around Koreans, and they're eventually going to just take off someday and never look back. Well, here's the proof, 11 years later. I love CPC. CPC loves us. And Dinko and Kindred chose to say still, side by side, working with the mother church. Did you know that Reverend Pack, the senior pastor of CPC, upon hearing that CCSC is going to give birth to a daughter church, he said, oh, we're grandparents. Kindred's like our grandchild. And my friends... I know the suspicions are very natural. But I do want to tell you to the great praise and the honor and the glory of God. That's just not true here. CCSE, when we first became a church, do you know we're the first of its kind in our entire denomination? And the Korean American Presbyterian, you know, there's never been an English ministry that first of all even became a healthy independent church. And then the independent church chose to say side by side. And now like we love one another. And do you know that why that would be the case? It's because I just know if the gospel is real, we ought to be right and loving and affectionate and close with our parents in our families and our parents in our mother church before we can do any missions far and abroad. And what God is doing in our midst is probably for you more miraculous and astounding than you care to know. But I want you to know it. Church planting is a strategic vision that the Holy Spirit has been unveiling for quite some time. And we have 
a precious newborn baby to be birthed. But with every newborn baby, how precious and adorable he or she may be, they're totally vulnerable, as were we. Total dependence on God required. All out prayer and support required. All kinds of older brothers and sisters required so that the word of God would go forth. Three vows so far. Communication, connection. Third, church planning. Fourth, last one. Changed lives. Changed lives. Changed lives, changed lives. At the forefront of our vision, as Jesus Christ becomes central to all areas of life in our community, and he indwells and floods our hearts with his compassion to serve the world, there's this key phrase. You might call it in the business terms. That's the product. That's the result. But the Bible says it's the masterpiece, the artwork of God. Change lives. Change lives. Is your life changing? Does your spouse know it and see it? Do your kids see it or know it? Do your neighbors know it? Change lives, change lives. Same old thing produces same old thing. Natural people just produce natural people. Worldly values and lifestyles just reproduce worldliness. Change lives. Change lives. But the joke is on me. Tell this to a lot of younger pastors and leaders now, especially Dinko, this week. You know, all along I thought as a senior pastor, all I need to do is obsess and make sure that other people's lives are changing and be about that business and that's my job. But God has a great sense of humor. God was making sure, Harold, I need to change you. I really need to change you. And as you are changing, people change. Look at chapter 28, verses 30 and 31. This is the last verses of the book of Acts. He, Apostle Paul, converted, changed the commission, lived there two whole years. This is in Rome. That was his dream, his ambition, to get the gospel, the word of God, all the way out to Rome, which in his mind was the furthermost outer parts of the earth. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This same man, previous to Acts chapter 9, was directly persecuting, punishing Beating, threatening, imprisoning, rejoiced at the killing of Christians. In other words, he was robbing Christians of freedom, happiness, security, safety, their very lives. Now what does he end up doing by the, by end, of, uh, uh, by the end of the book of Acts? Now he's doing it freely at his own expense. <laughs> Free of charge. To his own cost. To carry out the mission and the vision of the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, last Sunday, uh, a picture was taken on stage of Dinko and Priscilla and Emery and the launch team of Kindred praying. And, you know, I was praying for them. And thanks, photographer. It's a really good angle. It's great. Maybe it might become something a little bit well-known through the years. But my wife, looking upon that image, wrote a message to Dinko and Priscilla, which I'd love to share with you. This image brings me back 19 years ago when we stood in front of Christ Central Presbyterian Church in Virginia with Taylor. Taylor was around the same age as Emery. This is my first full-time pastor as a lead pastor. Harold was being installed as a senior pastor. We were such a young family not knowing anything. I prayed and pray that God will bless you even more abundantly. May you use your family to do great things. May Emery grow to love her church and the members that are family. Priscilla, you will do great. Despite our limitations, God covers and blesses. We love you. Now, I've always known my wife is a one-of-a-kind remarkable person. I've never met someone like her, and I can't believe God would bring her into my life, but... 19 years later, for me to read and reflect what's coming out of her mouth and what she's typing, God has changed her. She has grown in so much wisdom, so much motherly counsel and care, empathy, and time and time and time again, apart from her hospitality, I am blown away by her insight, her insight into what people are really feeling. My daughter, St. Elizabeth, you can get tired of hearing this, but I'm not tired of saying it. They love God and the gospel on their own. They love the church because of you. They love this church in spite of mom and dad and more in spite of dad. There is no greater prayer answered for a pastoral family than for your children to love church. And then for myself, really late to the ball game, I've come to see that there's no greater importance or impact of any pastor's life than pursuing and prizing Christ-likeness. Really, are you really more like Jesus, less of you? I would say the two things in the last two or three years has been being at peace and growing in patience. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm there. Far from it. But it's like God is like downsizing it. He's limiting it. When circumstances and crises arise, the peace in my heart comes more quickly. The peace comes more deeply. The peace is there despite circumstance. Oh, it is a struggle. And then the patience that he is developing. Dear friends, CCSC, we ought to renew our vows. It's like marriage vows. 
Because all vows get forgotten and they decay and they get old. It's a natural human tendency. But how will we renew and fulfill our vision and our vows? How will we make it? How in the world are we going to make it? How can we do it? Well, to follow Jesus and to spread the word of God. Did you know it's more about losing than winning? If you are only about success, never about failing, you actually can't follow Jesus. And you'll never last in this mission. Our whole culture, our whole world, and our natural hearts want to win and never lose. But here comes Jesus. You want to find your life? You really want an abundant, fulfilling life? You want the word of God to spread? You want the glory of God to abound? Teach me, Lord, not how to succeed, but how to sacrifice. Following Jesus is not about a better life. Not necessarily. But it's about dying to love others so others might live. That's how we're going to realize our vision and vows. So who's with me? Do you, do you hear? Am I intelligible and clear here? Who's with me? Who wants to come and lose? Who wants to join a church and sacrifice and serve? Who wants to die, not have a better life? And the only way you're going to do that is by looking at and experiencing someone else who underwent the greatest changes at the greatest cost for the greatest joy to himself and the greatest glory to God. Jesus. Jesus. Has he not communicated and connected with you yet? Has he not planted this church for you? And is he not changing your life? He will always perfect all things as long as he is central. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, thank you for this word. I thank you for your spirit. We pray now you would take these vows. You would take your vision. Hold us to it. Empower, forgive, and encourage us toward it. Galvanize us again in unity to pursue what you call us to do. Oh Lord, you are so gracious and kind. You are so loving and kind. Carry us forward now. And Lord, I pray for anyone in need of Jesus, his forgiveness and his salvation. Bring them to yourself today, even now as they listen in. Jesus, forgive them. Bring them to baptism in this church so that you might grow your glory, grow your kingdom. Let me give you just a couple of minutes, I mean, a couple of moments. Pray with me. Pray with me as we respond to his word. Let's pray together and then we'll sing this song of response. Let's pray. Mm -hmm.